everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of the Global Careers Calls podcast from the University of London Career Service. Listen in to stimulating career conversations between a member of our team and professionals working in a range of sectors based across the globe. This season's focus is corporate careers, so let's listen in to our Global Careers Call. Tanya Kazim calls Ben Hillman in his office in London. Ben is a senior manager at Capgemini Invent the digital and innovative arm of the management consulting brand Capgemini. Ben helps us to explore the day-to-day work of a management consultant, his previous experience in retail and commercial banking, gives his take on future digital trends, and shares top tips from his own professional development and experience of recruiting and managing teams for all of our career starters, career developers, and career changes listening. We hope you enjoy this call with Ben. Ben, welcome to the show and thank you for joining me for Global Career Calls. I'd like to set the scene. Can you uh, describe your setting for us? Yeah, I'm in my office at home. I've got a map of the world behind me. I'd like to say that I'm on a beach somewhere in the Bahamas, (laughs) but... um, no, that's not the case. <laughs> well, that's great. Thanks again for joining us today. So, Ben, uh, we like to begin this uh, show with a bit of a bang. I'd like to ask you, what's been on your mind at work this week? What's been on my mind? Um, I guess planning for the year ahead. Um, we're coming to the end of the calendar year now. Um, a client I'm working with is starting to think about the year ahead. Mm. So... I'm having to think about what what the what January looks like for the team, um, what our priorities are for next year. I guess there's a few business development calls I've been mm. having, and also just winding down. It's my last work work week, so I want to make sure that I'm going into Christmas with less stress mm. and have everything covered while I'm away. So that's really what's been on my mind. That sounds like a solid uh, solid wind down routine for for the year and planning ahead as well. So uh, it's going to be helpful for people to actually understand what you do, Ben. So you're a senior mm-hmm. manager, so quite advanced mm-hmm. in your career, and you work for a, a company called Capgemini Invent, who are the digital and innovation uh, arm of Capgemini brand, and you are experts mm-hmm. in strategy, technology, data science, and creative design. So this series spotlights corporate careers and will be heard by one of three types of people. So those who are early on in their career, career starters, those who are a little bit more advanced career developers, and those who have substantial work experience looking to do something new, career changes. So can you sum up for these audiences in some simple words and analogies what it is you actually do as a senior manager? Great. So I'll just provide a bit of context first of all. So Capgemini is a large global consulting brand. Um, it's a French brand, so it's, it's very well known in, in Europe, uh, growing out its its American presence. Invent is a, a subset of the group that focuses on traditional management consultancy activities, but from a slightly different perspective. So Invent is the rebrand of what was known as Capgemini Consulting. It happened a few years ago. The management consulting industry has changed somewhat. Um, we've had to distinguish ourselves from our competitors, and we've done that by 
positioning ourselves as inventors, mm-hmm. okay, inventors of the future. Uh, our, our slogan is bringing to life what's next for our clients. I think I could leave it there and say that's what we do. But if I go into a bit more detail, we provide lots of different services or capabilities uh, uh, for our clients. We work with different industries, uh, different organizations across different in- industries, so public sector, financial services, manufacturing, energy, utilities, mm. retail, you name it. And across those utilities, we provide different services or capabilities. So it might be digital transformation, um, supporting organizations with what their digital future looks like. It might be operator model type work. So how does this organization maybe um, transition from its current mode of operation to something new in the future with the view to maybe reduce costs, improve efficiency? We might support uh, an organization with their cost reduction programs. Uh, We might support an organization with, I I don't know, deploying new innovative technologies, cloud, AI, blockchain, cybersecurity. So there's a a variety of things that we do. as an organization you've definitely nailed that uh, that that pitch i can tell from your working with clients for sure and it's really helpful to hear for our listeners as well exactly what you do uh so you mentioned quite a lot there i have two follow-up questions so mm-hmm. as someone who's working in this digital space mm-hmm. a lot of people would assume you know a technical background is mandatory can i ask somebody who perhaps um, is able to code and has studied computer science do you only hire those type of people or what what sort of skills if not these technical skills is required to to work in capgemini invent it's a really really good question yeah i'm i'm, I'm gonna try try my best to emphasize the, the importance of this question and my and my, and my response so my background, I did study computer science, right? Mm-hmm. So I am technical, but I am one of the very few uh, people in my organization who studies computer science. You'll normally find that people that study computer science go either down software engineering or, or another mm-hmm. path. I went down the other path. In Capgemini Invent, we do not distinguish between STEM careers and, and any other careers. We look at Uh, someone's capability and I've actually found that the most successful people that I've worked with generally they don't always come from STEM backgrounds they might have very good soft skills they might be very driven ambitious they might have good ideas and insights so I'd really really stress that just because you work in digital it doesn't mean you need a STEM degree now there are certain roles in certain industries that a system degree would be beneficial software engineering for example if you work in a very very high-tech environment where you're solving very complex problems that that require great knowledge of theory mathematics yes I can completely understand but in an environment where you are helping a business solve its problem and you're thinking very high level that's that's what I want to get across is as, as consultants, we think very high level and we try and work high level and then, then condense it downwards. So it's a great question. And I, I really want to stress that just because you don't have a STEM degree, don't be put off by going into a career in, in digital. So let's say um, someone who has studied a law degree or an accounting degree, they are mm-hmm. equally qualified and um, equipped to succeed at somewhere like Capgemini. Oh yeah. 
Of course, of course. So, yeah, accountant, accountants, um, you actually find lots of the big professional services firms have an accountancy arm, an auditing arm, and then a consultancy arm, and you'll find lots of accountants moving on to consulting, okay, because maybe they don't want to do accounting. Maybe that's not for them. Law, same. I mean, lots of transferable, transferable skills. Lawyers, attorneys, they're talking to their clients day in, day out, same as me. Okay, they're they're listening to their clients' problems. They're coming up with solutions, right? So there's a huge amount of transferable skills. Yeah, you've really highlighted. Uh, I think the key takeaway from that is it's not really so important what background you have, as long as you can pull out mm -hmm. the the translatable um, skill set required. And I think as well, if a company is coming to you with a business issue, it's going to require different perspectives and different skill sets in order to to come together to implement a solution right so um it's really um it's really enlightening to hear that uh that is the case so thank you for that so you mentioned earlier you're winding down for the year and thinking about uh what's next for your client i want to respect uh any confidentiality protocols you might have but are you able to talk a little bit about this project or perhaps one you've worked on in the past? Yeah, I'll do my best. I'm currently working for a large government department and this government department provides a very critical service to millions of UK citizens. I won't share much That's more right. because then you'll be able to guess the government department. Um, but what we've been doing is uh, building a new data and analytics uh, platform for that government department so that they can respond to uh, cyber and fraud threats. This is a big issue for the department. Fraud is a huge issue, uh, costing the taxpayers a lot of money. So I have a team of consultants that are working with a client to define what this technology looks like, implement the technology, and then make sure the business is getting the benefits out of the technology. Mm. So in the new year, it's really planning uh, uh, what the project looks like, um, scoping out the project, agreeing the roles and responsibilities. So yeah, I think um, most organizations won't be ramping up projects going into the year end, instead making sure that they are um, left in a good state to pick up. Ben, yeah, that sounds really interesting. And I do understand as well, you can't tell us any more than that. Uh, will touch on later in the episode um, a little bit more about industry trends and where you see uh, the digital space going. But uh, for now, I want to ask a little bit more about your day-to-day uh, -day experience. So as a consultant, um, you work very hard and um, sometimes quite long. So for our listeners, can you just bring to, to light how many hours do you usually work in a typical week? Yeah, I think you, you do hear some horror stories, I must admit, uh, around consulting. I think what I would stress is it's firm it's uh, firm dependent, so the, the company you work for, and also client dependent, so the client you're delivering work for. So you may find that you work in a firm that has a reputation for very high work rate, uh, very long hours, and they work for very demanding clients, okay? That's one end of the spectrum. You then have the other end of the spectrum, which is you've got consultancies with better work-life balance uh, that work for less demanding clients, or maybe they resource their projects more, so there's less demand on their consultants. I would say that I'm somewhere in the middle. So uh, Capgemini invent 
wants you to deliver for our clients, okay, expects you to work hard, but doesn't expect you to sit around doing nothing, okay, or, or responding to emails on the weekend, for example. So I'd probably say about 60 hours a week would be an estimate. Um, it really depends if there's bid work going on, business development work. If there's a deadline, it will fluctuate. But that's a very typical week. Yeah, you touched on towards the end there. There are some occasions where you're not actually on client site or working for a client. I, I know this, listeners, because I actually used to work in the world that Ben is part of. Um, and I believe the term is called sitting on the bench. So are you able to explain what that means to our listeners and what does uh, working look like when you're not working for a client, basically? Yeah, so in the office there is a bench and you come <laughs> in and you sit on it. <laughs> no, it's... Um, so sitting on the bench is a term uh, used for to describe consultants who are sort of either just joined an organization and yet to be resourced or uh, in between projects, okay? It's a bit of a misconception that you're sitting there doing nothing. Usually you are either involved with some sort of bid work, uh, research type work, recruitment activities, what we call um, thought leadership work, which is developing new new ideas, new concepts, or it could be that you are, I don't know, supporting a project team with some mm. deliverables. So your time on the bench uh, should be maximized. Oh, training. That was a big one. I forgot about training. Yeah. So your ben your time on the bench is normally short-lived. I mean, in, in Capgemini, I've never been on the bench. I've always been resourced. But it should normally be short-lived, um, and you should make the most of it. Um, at, because I know from from speaking to various consultants that if you spend too long on the bench, it can be a bit yeah. demotivating. No, that's really helpful to provide that, um, that honest insight into um, something that I think a lot of our listeners mm -hmm. won't necessarily expect uh, unless hearing from, from the horse's mouth. Uh, so I want to actually um, talk about some other roles that you've held. So before um, Capgemini, you worked for nearly five years in a different sector of banking and uh, holding a range of different roles as well in Lloyd's Banking Group. So could you take us through your rotations there and how these experiences helped shape your career journey and led you to what you do today? Yeah, of course, of course. I've been reflecting back. Um, I still think about my time at in financial services to this day. So I will specify, I work for Lloyds Banking Group. So Lloyds Banking Group is a large retail and commercial bank in the UK, over 30 million customers, very, very important to the UK economy. I started on their graduate scheme after leaving university. Their graduate scheme was a technology management scheme. So it wasn't uh, so much focused on technical delivery, more the management of technical projects, programs, etc. I rotated through various teams. So I'll give you an example. I worked with a mainframe team. I worked with in the payments, uh, payments platform team. I eventually spent my last two placements working on the IT resilience program. And the IT resilience program was a huge program at the time, which was uh, developed in uh, response to lots of IT incidents in the, I think around 2010 to 2012. Very interesting for me because um, it gave me a huge insight into priorities for a bank um, and how critical it is that a bank has to maintain its service for uh, customers, right? Um, I think one of my main learnings from being at a bank is is actually it was run really well. <laughs> I thought at the time, you know, um, 
some of the things that I've seen there weren't best practice, but actually working with some of my clients now, reflecting back, yeah, everything was really well governed, great insight into how technology worked and, and was maintained. Yeah. Do you, would you want me to dive into any anything in in a bit more detail? Yeah, I'd actually like to ask you how, um, or rather, what did you notice about being in Lloyds Banking Group and the tech arm of a bank and how that matches up with the uh, consulting environment and digital and innovation space you work in now in terms of culture and practice? Okay. Culture and practice, yeah. No, it's it's interesting. I'll, I'll say this. When I was at Lloyd's, I worked with consultants. So the easiest way to picture is I was just on the other side of the fence. Okay, now I'm on the other side, right? So I think what I discovered at Lloyd's is lots of the challenges they were going through and they were investing in is exactly what I'm advising my clients on now. Okay, uh, utilizing cloud technology, for example. Okay, AI, new digital experiences for for customers, all those sorts of things. I think what I want to stress is culture. I think this is this is where it really, really differentiates. There's less similarities here. So the reason why I left banking, and this is a personal reason, so I, I, I really want to respect Lloyd's banking group here, but um, I felt I was getting pigeonholed into like a role with a set of responsibilities that didn't enable me to sort of flourish Okay, so I thought if I moved into consulting, I would allow myself to sort of broaden my skill set, my roles and responsibilities, and that's exactly what I got. So the the culture in consulting and in banking is quite different. Um, we have lots of autonomy to do what we want in consulting um, and to develop a variety of skills, whereas in banking, you would have to change job or change role to get that. So... So yeah, uh, looking back, the cultural differences are there. Um, still greatly enjoying mm. my time at Lloyd's Banker Group. It was a yeah. Great I think to summarise this portion of the conversation, and to really speak to our career developers and career changers, it is very helpful to have an insight and hear your insights about what it's like in the um, in different firms and seeing how they actually operate. And as a consultant, you'll be able to assess different client environments and and learn from each one and see what works and what doesn't and so it's really helpful for somebody who might currently be working in industry looking to maybe as you said earlier come on the other side of the fence and uh, or vice mm-hmm. versa so um basically everyone should be a consultant because you you get to uh, learn quite a lot and uh, see quite a lot as well uh, so thank you for sharing that. I want to move on now, Ben, to um, development and perhaps um, some mentoring tips you can perhaps share to our audience. So upon researching your profile before this call, you strike me as yeah. someone who's, and as you just answered there as well, has a vested interest in their professional development. And so for our career developers in particular, what are some of the ways that you are upskilling or have upskilled in the workplace? Yeah, good question. So, I mean, there's there's obvious things that you can do, uh, training certifications, those sorts of things. I mean, um, I don't need to tell you that. I think, what can I reflect on? Identifying a, a, a few people in the organization that um, you can really trust and open up to 
I found in consulting that um, there are plenty of those people around who will provide you the time of day and will uh, provide you that advice. I think also being very clear on what you want. Uh, too many people hide or don't express what their ambition is or where they want to be. And if you don't talk about it, you'll never get there. People won't support you in getting there. Okay, and then what you'll find out is you'll end up leaving an organization. Everyone will be surprised and 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 say, why didn't you tell us about it? Right. So do open up. Okay, do it in the right way. Open up, maybe take out your your manager or someone you trust out for coffee and ask, ask, how do I get there? I think something that's really helped me uh, is just keeping it simple. And I think that's just through everything I do, through communication, through client delivery. I keep everything simple especially when you work in a very technical domain, when you talk a lot about lots of different concepts and different technologies, keeping it simple goes a long way. And yeah, no matter who the audience is, whether it's technical or executive, um, you'll, you'll usually land a, a really good message. Um, what have I covered then? So is there anything else that I can think of? Tips? I would say also get a variety. Sometimes you you find that your role is too uh, repetitive, uh, you're doing lots of the same work, see if there's anything transferable that you can take to, to push you out of your comfort zone. I think that's what I've done with a few things. And I've, I've found in consulting, you learn this great skill of just being resourceful. So if you don't know the answer, you're going to find someone else that does know the answer, or you're going to find someone else that, who, you can tell, who can tell you the answer or support you with the delivery of a project so um be resourceful i think that's enough more than enough. that's uh, very valuable insights um and really speaks to all of our career stages as well uh so i want to um ask as well now so can you give some top tips for someone who is perhaps quite advanced in their career and is looking to apply for a senior manager position uh, the one that you hold what sort of tips would you give them yeah. we did talk about transferable skills Mm -hmm. What tips would I give them? Yeah, so I would probably say demonstrate that you can build client relationships. Um, I demonstrate, I, I mean, my, my motto is that you build good client relationships through trust uh, and good client relationships take some time. So it takes some time to build and a, it, it doesn't have to be a client from a consulting sense. It could be a client within industry. So you could have a client who works in another part of the business that you've built a good relationship with. Show that you have some commercial acumen. When you move up through consulting, you, you move away from delivery more into sales and business development. So um, understand how the business makes money, right? I think too many junior people enter businesses and they they think that they are there to do a role, but they don't understand that their role is being paid for by the revenue and the profit that the business makes. Same with consulting, right? So be business aware, be business savvy, uh, um, understand how the business makes money, try and align your, you know, your role to, to help the business. Um, oh, that leads me nicely onto my next one. So um, understand what the business vision is and what their ambitions are. So, yeah, whenever you uh, uh, interview for a company, ask them what their vision is, ask them where they're going to be, okay? It really shows that you're forward thinking. I guess my final tip would be, I mean, over the years, I've I've moved away from being a very shy person early in my career to being 
not not overly confident, but um, just being comfortable with myself. I'm not really sure what tips I could give to help people become more confident. Um, but my way of thinking is, what's the worst that can happen? So if I'm if I'm always thinking, what's the worst that can happen? Then yeah, I'm confident. I I can deliver good presentations and I can speak confidently to people. Uh, as a as a mindset I share as well. I'm I'm very into um, the universe at the moment, and so I. I uh, always think how cosmically insignificant I am and then use that to uh, pull out confidence and apply it. I think that's a really, really great tip for people. No, I, I'm I'm the same. You know, when you, um, you, you, you watch those documentaries about distant stars and distant galaxies and then you realise, I'm just an ant. I'm not even an ant. You're a speck of dust, literally. <laughs> uh, that was great, Ben. So looking at the other end of the scale then for our career starters someone who um, perhaps has no work experience um, how and casting back to your own time when you were um, doing your placement uh, during your bachelor's of science computer science degree how did you position yourself as someone with limited experience but lots of enthusiasm I see so this is when I was starting my career right or well, before yeah, that well yeah more just for those who perhaps not sure what they want to do, but they're they're currently studying, uh, so not maybe haven't okay. quite started their career yet. Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk you through my thought process, um, and I think this is a really difficult uh, for, to all the students out there. I empathise with you because it's really difficult, right? You're you're coming out of your studies, um, you're thinking to yourself, what do I want to do? You're not sure what you want to do. It's very daunting, right? I would say don't overthink it. Okay, just just find something that you can you can you can be involved with and you can develop some skills. It doesn't matter what you do, whether you do you do recruiting, technology, management consultancy, lawyer, you're going to learn something. Okay, you'll learn how to work with people, you'll learn some technical concepts. Okay, so don't overthink. I was fortunate that I sort of knew that I wanted to maintain some of my what I'd learn and apply in in the business context so that was quite easy for me I guess the big the decision I had to make is did I want to go down an engineering route or did I want to go down more of the managerial route I, I think I could have done well either way but I found that I was probably more of a I don't know I I, I, I don't know what strayed me towards a managerial route I think I was more interested in in sort of thinking in the future, the high level problems, and I, yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. I I saw myself as more of a people person rather than uh, sitting sitting around uh, developing software. Yeah, no, I totally hear that. I totally hear that, what you're saying. I'm sure our audience will um, see what. If you're a people person, um, the logical step is to... It's not to say that software developers are not people course, person. No, but, um, <laughs> yeah. To take on a management role, you're now responsible for a set of people so um this is what i think you were you're trying to articulate uh so you mentioned just there about future thinking which leads me nicely on to uh, our penultimate section mm. of the show which is all about uh labor market and your views on um on the the industry a lot of our students are keen to develop their commercial awareness and this is a tip you you suggested to them earlier in the yeah. call so ben you work in the future of technology practice at Capgemini Invent, yep. which leads me onto an obvious question. 
what is the future yep. of technology or rather how do you see technology evolving regardless of sector or industry in the next say one to two years short term then um yeah it's such a difficult question to answer because especially last few years covid everything that's happened we've seen a lot of i guess hype around different technologies we've seen lots of talk about uh metaverse uh web 3.0 all those sorts of things i'm quite a skeptical person i must admit okay so what we actually find is that we need to as consultants we need to be aware of these things but m lots of our clients aren't really talking about them too much okay because they don't see many use cases in them i guess when money's cheap so last two years money has been very very cheap um organizations would have a higher appetite to invest in i don't know proof of concept exercises to see what does web 3.0 look like in our organization or what does the metaverse look like in our organization but we're now going into an environment where interest rates are increasing money's less cheap and i expect businesses will be less likely to take these high-risk bets to to look at these uh, um, innovative technologies. I think next two years we're going to see, I think, further acceleration of the cloud. I think organizations will actually be looking to optimize their use of the cloud to re reduce their costs. There will probably be a continued move to the cloud, even if IT organizations are reducing their costs. I think we'll see further automation there are there's a there's a real um move to sort of low code no code applications used within businesses and what's significant about that is it changes the operating model of an organization usually you'd have your developer teams working with your business users to understand what the requirements are and delivering these technical solutions with no code and low code your business users users your business people can develop those applications themselves okay as long as they have some sort of understanding what they're doing they can develop their own application so that sort of changes your operator model um, and I, I, I think we will see more and more uh, um, clients use that I think something that I've recently had a look at which is quite scary is this thing called chat uh, GPT and I've been exploring it to help me uh, respond to bids uh, and it is surprisingly good at developing some bid <laughs> boilerplate uh, text. So I think there will be uh, definitely some use cases we could explore there. How can we um, remove some of the um, uh, repetitive, low-value parts of our work by just reusing, I don't know, some best practice text that's been developed by, you know, su suggested to you by some sort of AI. So yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of the trend perspective. Do you want me to talk about the labor market a bit? Ben, I, I'd love you to, actually. Uh, I, I do have... Um... So many questions. This is a very interesting topic, and obviously you, you have a lot of insight. We could do a whole yeah. like, spin-off <laughs> second episode just on the future yeah. of tech. Um, and uh, I just want to ask quickly, though, for someone who has never heard of Web3 uh, or any of the other things, what um, is there any like resources or publications or networks that people can engage with that you you follow yourself or you've heard are quite good? I read, uh, what's it called, TechCrunch. TechCrunch is very good. Mm. There are, I'm just trying to think what else. There, there's so much out there. There's another one called Wired, which is very good. I mean, I would um, I would really stress you just 
you can Google things and you can just read a whole lot about them. There's so much on YouTube as as well nowadays. Um, just be aware of what is really trying to educate you and what is trying to scam you. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, think about everyone's uh, everyone's own interests and and what they're trying to get you to do. So I, I don't want to be plugging any any cryptocurrencies on this podcast. <laughs> um, that's a great point yeah uh thank you ben for that and then yeah just about the labor yeah. market so i have one question for you um given what you've been talking about so far if there was one type of skill set profile or experience that your team is currently lacking and would love to recruit yeah. for what would it be i guess it would be someone who has delivered complex technology projects and has very very good communication skills would you say that would you say the latter is more important than the former i would say so former can yeah support? yeah so it, we assess our candidates on capability right and i think that's very important you we do look at their experience but what their capability is so our assessment process tries to um uh ease out some ease out their c- capability strengths um with a view that those taught aspects can be taught so we'll invest time teaching them into our consultants yeah for sure Mm. that's great thank you Uh, and so now Ben we're into the final portion Mm -hmm. of the show which is a a quick fire round I don't know where the time has gone but um, there you go Uh, so I'm going to ask you a series of quick fire questions and just tell me in a few words uh, what comes to mind is that okay sure so one word right one word or just a sentence so the first one is what is the one thing that matters most to you in your career? Development. Like it. You're someone who has had a distinguished career and would be eligible at this stage of their career for a career change. So with that, and in the spirit of the Marvel multiverse, let's imagine that an alternative version of Ben Mm -hmm. exists somewhere, younger version. If you could relive your career all over again would you do anything differently would you do a different type of career or would you do things the same i think i would do things differently because i I think most people would say this because you're curious to see what the what the other side looks like Hmm. um i think the thing i would do differently and this is no i mean i've enjoyed my career so far is i would work in sales Hmm. Because I'm, I, I think I, I that's an environment I would excel in. Mm, okay. <laughs> well, it's never too late to do a, a degree with the University of London and uh, do a career change. Yeah. <laughs> and final one, Ben. Uh, so this podcast, as we've mentioned, has will be listened to by one of three types mm-hmm. of people: career starters, career developers, career changers. What's one final nugget of wisdom that you can share with our listeners? One final nugget. Um, I would say, uh, I mean, I've I've already touched on a few things. Keep it simple. Uh, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I think just just generally, just try and be a try and be a pleasant, nice person to work around. I think um, you have to fit bring fun to the workplace. So bring energy. I, I do actually interview quite a few younger people nowadays, and I find that sometimes they just really lack this energy they don't even want to talk to me so just go into your interviews and really you know have energy think think about this is a once in a lifetime 
opportunity to change the direction of your life. So, um, so bring some energy. Yep. Yeah, no, it's a really important point because I think a lot of people struggle with remembering so many mm-hmm. things and you know information about the company. They might have a script in their head when they're interviewing, and it can then come across as like dead <laughs> inside. But it's really important to like smile and yeah, have bright eyes and everything. So I think you know, be. Yeah. I don't want to interview a robot. I want to interview a person. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. No, it's a really, really great point to to share and a wonderful um, nugget to end on, Ben. So with that, I would like to say thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you this morning. Uh, Really enjoyable and an insightful episode. And thank you for joining us on the Global Careers Call. Thanks, Daniel. This was the Global Careers Calls podcast brought to you by the University of London Careers Service. All links and resources are in the episode notes. This episode was hosted by Tanya Kazim, edited by Abby Underwood, and introduced by me, Melissa Drorian. Follow and subscribe to keep up to date with our upcoming episodes with more motivational stories from our diverse graduate cohort. And please rate and leave a review if you found it useful. To listen to previous episodes and find further resources by our team, visit www.london.ac.uk forward slash careers.